Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Around the KVBL. It is a beautiful Saturday night. I am your host, Troy Kennedy. Lots has happened in the KVBL. We've had the trade deadline pass. We've had another sim. We're down to one final sim before it is playoff time in the league. Exciting times indeed. And with that, we have a great show for you today. We're going to have the third and final um, version of the power rankings. Who is the top team after three power rankings? Who is the hottest team in the league? Did anybody come back in? Did anybody fall out? Who is on the rise? Who is falling down? We're all going to find out today. We're also going to have Troy's three takes on this league. A couple of bold predictions that we're coming up with and finally we're also going to have another special guest on the show it is a great show i hope you guys are here to stay and see what's going on so first before we get into power rankings um six sims in the book uh we seen some more of the movement here teams are trying to fortify their position jockeying for you know for a seating um are we in the same boat did we see some some moves did teams start falling did teams start making moves up um we're going to take quick plans at the standings before we get into the power rankings let's start in the landros um number one seed as of right now with the 60 11 records are still your defending champions the chicago bulls they are followed by the lions who are three and a half games behind they're sitting at 54 and 12 in third place are the 76ers. They are 50 and 20. They are nine and a half games behind the Bulls, so six games behind the Lions. It looks like the 76ers are not going to be able to fight for you know the second seed. They are just going to try to defend and hold off the Hornets who are sitting in fourth to keep the third seed. The Hornets sitting at 50 and 21, uh, half a game behind um, the 76ers, one game in the last column. In the fifth seed are the Toronto Raptors. They're sitting at 40 and 33. They are 11 games behind the Hornets. So the best they will do is the fifth seed. We don't see anything else happening. Uh, however, the Celtics, who are six at 35 and 35, are three and a half games behind the Raptors and could potentially still make the jump with a good final sim. In seventh place are the 30 and 39 Denver Nuggets. They are four and a half games behind the Celtics, eight games behind the Raptors, um, and a three-game lead over the eighth seed, 27 and 42 Indiana Pacers. Um, don't think we're going to see a whole lot of movement there. I think the 76ers Hornets race is pretty much the only one that's interesting down the stretch. Um, and potentially the Lions and Bulls. There could maybe be some movement there, but that is doubtful. Um, the Grizzlies, Bucks, Cavs, and Lakers are officially eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, the Houston Rockets still have a minimal, minimal chance, but sitting six and a half games out of the playoff picture, we do not think that's going to happen. The Pacers, despite a losing record, will most likely be your eighth team. Let's move to the Maynard. Your top team in the main and also at a 16-11 record are your Atlanta Hawks. They're off, followed by the New Orleans, yes, New Orleans Jazz, who are sitting at 54-10. They're two and a half games out and behind the Hawks. That one is definitely still a battle for the top seed. The three seed is right now the Phoenix Suns. They're sitting at 53-18. They are four and a half games behind the Jazz. Um, and all they're trying to do at this point, I believe, is just holding off the Warriors. The Warriors out of, from Golden State are 47-20. They are your fourth seed. They are four games behind the Suns. Um, so, you know, that's still a stretch. See if they can even make that jump. But the Suns are definitely making sure that they keep them in the mirror. The Heat on the fifth seed right now. They're sitting at 46-24. and 24. They are 13 and a half games behind the Hawks. Two and a half games behind the Warriors. And they are not just only trying to catch the Warriors, but they're also looking over the shoulder as the Knicks are starting to close that gap, sitting at 44 and 26. And there are only two games behind the Heat at this moment. Your seventh seed is your 40 and 29 Portland Trailblazers. They are three and a half games behind the Knicks. 
Still a chance to catch him, but it will take quite a bit. These Supersonics are sitting at 40 and 32. They are a game and a half behind the Blazers. But more interesting right there is that the Clippers are starting to close that gap. That gap was six and a half. It is now down to three games. Um, and only one game in the last column. The Clippers having played uh, five games less so far. So that is totally an open race though. The Clippers are not out of it. And that's going to be one of our hot takes as we get in, into this deeper into the show. Um, the Nets, Wolves, Kings are officially eliminated. The Thunder are eight games out of the playoff spot. And we do not think that there's any chance they're going to make it. But we don't think that officially they are done yet. All right. With that said, let's get into the third and final version of the power rankings. Who ended up in it? In the 16 spots, we have the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets are sitting at 30 and 39. They finished since the All-Star game. They have gone 11 and 11. Um, the road play still being the major issue in Denver. However, let's mention that they have actually improved that home, that road play. Um, they are 19 and 13 at home. They're 11 and 26 on the road. And that road play was much worse before the All-Star game. Um, very notable right there is that they have back-to-back wins over the Chicago Bulls. So that is um, good Good things happening for Denver, who are, you know, made an interesting trade um, before the deadline, uh, adding Nick Jekos from the Pacers and sending their backup point guard who was stuck behind Boxman Ferentz to Indiana. Um, you know, Jackers has obviously injected some points into that lineup. And with that, they were getting some wins over good teams. So let's see what the Nuggets can do. In 15th place, we have the 35 and 35 Celtics. They've been playing nothing but 500 ball all season. Um, over the last 24 games, they are 12 and 12, which is you know, since the All-Star break. What we can mention about the Celtics is that you know, since the All-Star break, they started 4-0. You thought maybe a little hot streak coming, but they went 8-10 and after that uh, before evening their record. What is interesting to see is the Celtics are having some really good wins on the road. So they're not an easy out just because they're coming into a building. They have road wins at, at Golden State, at Miami, at Vancouver, and at Seattle. So, you know, Celtics on your schedule is not a guaranteed W. In 14th place are the Slipping Seattle Supersonics. Uh, they are 13 and 14 since the All-Star break and certainly not the Sonics that we're used to seeing. Um, you know, we already had on a segment before where Troy was wrong with the Sonics. We thought might be the best team in the Maynard again. That is certainly not the case. And the Sonics are in a battle just to get into the playoffs. So I don't think a lot of people saw that one happening. Uh, one of the big moves they made before the deadline was adding Alan Barber and trading Norm George. So far, that has backfired as they are 6-8 and eight since Barber started. And as we said, they are slipping. So let's see if they can hang on and keep that A seed Um or are the Clippers potentially going to catch them? In 13th place, we have the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors are the five seed in the lander, sitting at 40 and 33. Since the All-Star game, they have gone 13 and 9. Um, you know, they are kind of stuck where they are right now. Not really any chance of moving up. Um, there's still a slight chance they might be moving down, but most likely they will be sitting in that fifth seed and a first round matchup with the Hornets, unless the Hornets can catch the 76ers. Um, what the Raptors did is, you know, they traded Kubo and they added Garcia. Now, when Garcia started in that lineup, it certainly brought in huge injection as they went 6-0 and to start after Garcia was added, but then since have gone one and five. So that team has certainly cooled down. We'll see how they can, you know, get it going again in Sim 7 and into the playoffs. In 12th spot are the ever so rising 
Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers that were completely out of the playoff picture, sitting six and a half games behind, are now only three games behind a potential A seed, and they have a chance to catch the Seattle Supersonics. They made a huge, huge deadline deal, literally within the last minute uh, before the trade deadline, where they added Freya Dreyer from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, we had dropped rumors about that. We thought this move had been made, but we didn't have any details. Obviously, it got confirmed. The deal got done. Los Angeles got the man in Dreyer. Now, what they gave up um, is that, that they sent Grant Jasper, El Mursan, Don Reeves, and their own 2050 first-round pick, the Celtics 2050 first-round pick, and the Bulls 2051 first-round pick, enabled to get Dreyer. Steve Price, you may say? Could be. But the fit has been there. Dreyer's played well, and the Clippers have gone 10-5 and five since adding him into the lineup. They are chasing the Sonics, and we're interested to see if they can get there. In 11th, we have the Portland Trailblazers. The Portland Blazers have gone 14-8 and eight since the All-Star break. Um, obviously, keep coming in with winning Sims. They are sitting in the seventh seed and are certainly chasing the Knicks for six. Um, they are somewhat, you know, still a young team. They're inconsistent, but they're getting some good wins. And as I said, they are feisty and they give everybody a run for their money. So you can never take them for granted. Um, they're going to keep fighting, see if they can move up. As I said, they're three and a half games behind the Knicks right now. Um, and in that last sim, they still need are going to look to move up in the standings. Speaking of moving up the standings, we are coming to number 10, our top 10. And in 10th, we have the Miami Heat, who have dropped a couple of spots. The Heat have gone 16 and 11 since the All-Star break. And they have certainly slowed down um, a little bit. The Heat are still sitting in fifth, fifth place in the... In the main art, however, they suddenly are now looking over the shoulder as the Knicks are closing the gap. They're only two games behind. The Heat are two and a half games behind the Warriors now um, when it comes to the fourth and fifth spot. Watson is still playing incredible ball. He's averaging 33 and a half points per game. However, around him, there's not a ton of scoring. Um, and, you know, it's Watson is carrying that team. If he goes down or if he gets shut down, that team is in trouble. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, if, the, if the Heat are in a playoff race, you know, anything can happen. Um, you know, Smath is a fantastic DC, DC in GM. So that's going to be a dangerous team if they do get in. However, I think there are ways to slow them down and to stop them. And that's something that could be a potential work on playoff time. And we'll see where they end up. Are they going to be able to fight off the Knicks and keep that fifth seed? Could they catch the Warriors? We don't know. In ninth place are the Hornets, the short Hornets, who are 50 and 21 and in the fourth seed in the Landers right now. They have gone 17 and 9 since the All-Star break. Um, have played pretty well at home where they're sitting at 27 and 8, um, w winning most of the divisional games, unless, of, unless of course, um, they are playing the Bulls or Lions, who they seem to struggle with. However, you know, they are in a big race with the 76ers, half a game behind them, and it's going to come down to the wire in a third and fourth seed right there. Um, makes it, you know, it's going to make a big difference having to play the Raptors or potentially Celtics. So I'm thinking both the 76ers and Hornets are very interested in getting that third seed. In eighth place are the New York Knicks, they are 18 and 9 since the All-Star break. And since they made the trade with the Raptors to add one of their old championship heroes in Rafi Muniz and also Lamont Vincent, who has been a trade target for the Knicks for several seasons. Um, since the injection of those two, the Knicks have gone 10 and 4. Uh, they're playing steadier ball. Scoring still seems to be a little bit of an issue, but the defense is good enough to hold, um, to get them wins. If they can get more scoring, uh, they can get, get really hot here down the stretch and see what happens. They are clearly, you know, trying to chase down the heat for that fifth seed. 
which could end up in the matchup with the Warriors. So we'll see what happens there. In seventh in the power rankings, we have the Philadelphia 76ers. The Philadelphia 76ers are sitting at 50 and 20. Um, they are the three seed in the Landros and as we discussed, are really trying to hold off the Hornets. The 76ers have gone 18 and 7 since the All-Star break. Um, started pretty slowly after the All-Star break, only gone 6 and 6, but have are now on a 9-0 run. So the 76ers are heating up. They're 28 and 5 at home. Um, if they continue playing ball like they have been and go into seven, sim seven in that manner, they are very likely going to hold off the Hornets for the third seed and going with lots of momentum into the playoff picture. In number six, we have the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns are the three seed in the main arc. They're sitting at 53 and 18. Um, they are, however, seven games behind the Hawks and four and a half games behind the Jazz. So be, would require a lot of work to catch them. Um, the Suns have gone 18 and 6 since the All-Star break. You know, they're still scoring freely. Um, Cage is, you know, as I said before, uh, since we called him out, has been playing pretty darn well. He is averaging 35 and a half points per game. The Suns have a really good home record. That's their strength. And obviously, you know, getting a first round home home court advantage is going to be huge for them as a sitting at 33 and 4 at home. Um over their 18 and 6 stretch, they do have two wins over the Hawks. Um which is which is good with the Hawks being a top seed in the Maynard. However, they also have two losses at the Sonics and one at the Knicks, which is probably losses they would wish they had back. Um and then had a couple home losses to the Warriors. So that's going to be interesting there. Um, if that would be a potential matchup in the playoffs. In fifth seed, we have these Vancouver Lions. The Lions are your second seed in the Landros, just sitting at 54 and 12. They are three and a half games behind the Bulls, but only one game in the last column. Um, the Lions have gone 16 and 4 since the All Star break. Um, and, you know, as, as we said, are now looking to catch the Bulls as they have several games in hand. The one worry about it is that of the last four home games, the Lions have lost three of them. And we're going to take a look at that schedule real quick and we'll tell you exactly who they lost to. So they finished the sim with losing at home. Let me take a look real quick here, guys. Um, all right, so they have a home loss to the Celtics uh, in last sim. They have a home loss to the Bulls, which, you know, that one is, you know, explainable. Um, they also lost technology. It's only great when it works, isn't it? Um, you know what? We're just going to skip that. Oh, they also lost to the... Uh, Nope, I can't find it. I am, I'm so sorry, guys. Um, but yes, the Lions, as I said, have, you know, out of the four losses in the 16-4 uh, run, three of them are at home. So obviously hoping for them, they can keep that home court going and win, win all the games at home, which is going to be huge come playoff time and down the stretch here, especially if they want any chance at chasing down the Bulls for the top seed. All right, moving on, we are going to number four, the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors are 21-7 and seven since the All-Star break and one of the more harder teams in the league right now. Um, what stands out in the sim is once they added Ballard into it, uh, Rel Ballard, who they added from the Nets, you know, Ballard and Webb combination are the new Bash brothers of the league. They are combining for 54 points a game and they're combining for 28 rebounds per game. That front court's got to be one of the more dominant ones that, that we have in the KBL right now. Um, Warriors are really clicking all cylinders right now. They're scoring freely. 
uh, an eyebrow razor, despite what we're going to say, the, the Hawks did play without Jericho. However, the Warriors did beat them by 30 points, uh, 138 to 108. Um, they also win, you know, at the Suns. They have, you know, went 2-1 and one against the Jazz over the last couple of Sims. So the Warriors are playing really well, and that is a team to watch out for come playoff time. Our number three team is the Chicago Bulls. Now, the Bulls are the top team in the land still, and, you know, amongst many opinions, still the favorite in this league. They have gone 16 and, uh, or 15 and 5 since the All-Star game. Now, what is to worry with the Bulls is they have lost three out of their last four, two of those games against Denver. The Nuggets beat them back-to-back games. So are we seeing, you know, a little bit of a, of a slump of the Bulls or are they just, you know, resting a little bit uh, before the final stretch and come playoff time? Uh, we'll see, but they're certainly going to have to start looking over the shoulder as the Lions are going to try to make a push and see if they can catch them for the top seed. Number two, the New Orleans Jazz, who have gone 16-5 and since the All-Star break. Um, the Jazz traded Barber, but they added Falwell. Um, they traded Barber to get Norm George. He is the key to that. They're 16-5 over the last 21. Since George started, they are 10-2. and two. Um, The Jazz are hot. They are sitting at 54-10. and 10. They are two and a half games behind the Hawks and certainly in a battle for that number one seed. So that's going to be fun times come Sim 7 if they can catch it. That's going to be an obvious battle for that, for that seeding. Uh, you know, Roar is still doing his thing. Uh, 32 points per game. The team is scoring 119 points per game. And, you know, adding George has just made him so much stronger. The points they lost with Falwell, I mean, with Barber, seems like they've added with Falwell again. So they have made some great moves here down the stretch and before the trade deadline um, to get that team going. The bench is a little bit of a worry, but they seem to overcome it so far. So can they hold on come playoff time? It'd be fun to see. So back to the top spot of the power ranking, the Atlanta Hawks. They are the number one team in the main art. They are sitting at 16-11. So they are still very much in a fight for the ultimate top seed and home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs. They have gone 26-4 since the All-Star break. Um, they have beaten the Bulls. They have beaten the Heat, the Suns, the Warriors. They are 2-1 you know, over the Suns um, or last couple of Sims. They are playing phenomenal basketball. You know, Jericho is, you know, just playing out of his mind. But it's not just him. If you look at that team, you see contributions. You know, Jericho's getting his 26 points per game. But they're also scoring all amongst the lineup. Jacob Evans, who, you know, a lot of GMs have mixed feelings about, is scoring 17 points per game. And that on 45% shooting, which is a lot better than he's ever shot in his career. Um... Yeastman, the starting point guard, is adding almost 14 points a game. Miha Dolanich, you know, who a lot of players just, a lot of GMs you see as a role player, is adding 13 points a game. Pescador uh, is adding 12 points per game. These guys are getting it done, uh, and the bench is coming and stabilizing. You know, are they the best team in the main run? According to the record, they are right now. Um, you know, lots of GMs still have the doubts about this team, but they've proven everybody wrong so far. So who's to say that they couldn't continue doing that and, you know, making a very deep run in the playoffs? Certainly right now they're gearing towards that and they're looking fuel to do it. So the Hawks, they are power, power team in the league, number one in the rankings. Congratulations. You guys deserve it. Um, and can they hold on to it? Can they stay number one in the main arc? We're about to find out. With that said, guys, we are going to Troy's three takes. And there are some bold predictions in there. Troy's first take. The Golden State Warriors will represent the Maynard in the KBBL Finals. Our take is that Warriors are currently the hottest team. Um, 
once they added Ballard with Webbs, they're just going out of their mind. It, once they figure this whole rotation out and they get everybody clicking, they have been very dangerous. You know, 21 and 7 over the last 28 games. They are heading in the right direction, and we think they're going to be a very tough team come playoff time. So, you know, it's it's a it's a bull, it's a bull call. Are we calling it here? You heard it here first. Warriors will win the Maynard. All right. Our second take. The Lions will catch the Bulls and become the number one seed in the Landros. Let's break that down. The Lions are sitting at 54 and 12. They have 16 games remaining. The Bulls are sitting at 60 and 11. They have 11 games remaining. Let's look at that schedule. The Lions have the Jazz at home. They have the Hornets at home. They have the Hawks on the road, the Clippers on the road. Um, sorry, the Clippers at home first, then on the road. So, you know, a two-game set there. They're at the Sonics. They're at the Bucks, at home versus the Suns, at the Nuggets, at the Bucks, at the Rockets, versus Toronto, versus Golden State, at Toronto, and at home to the Celtics and the Pacers. Now, this might be crazy, but we're thinking they're going to catch fire. They are looking at a 14-2 and finishing sim, which puts them at 68-14. and Now, on the other hand, we got the Bulls. The Bulls are playing at the Lakers. They're playing at the Blazers. They're playing at home versus the Knicks, at Toronto, then at Indiana, at home versus the 76ers. They're at, uh, at the Nuggets. At the 76ers, at home versus the Sonics, home versus the Grizzlies, and then back to Philadelphia. Now, our predictions say that they're going to lose at Portland, they're going to lose at Denver, who's had the number, and then they're going to lose two games at the 76ers, putting them at a 7-4 last sim, leaving them with a 67-15 record. The Bulls will finish second in the Landers. Once again, Bull Call was sitting three and a half games behind, but we believe in Vancouver, which also was a call beginning of the season, who would represent the Landros in the KVBL finals. All right, one more bold prediction for you. The Clippers are going to make the playoffs. We believe that the Clippers will catch the Sonics Sonics will become a lotto team and the Clippers will be our A seed. Let's take a look at the remaining schedules. So before we say that, the Clippers are sitting 35 and 33. They are uh, three games behind the Sonics. The Sonics sitting at 40 and 32. But the Clippers only one game behind in the loss column. The Clippers remaining schedule is at the Pacers. They're at the Lions. At home versus the Lions. They're at the Nets. Um... Versus the Sun, versus the Sonics, versus the Pacers, at Lakers, versus Thunder, at Knicks, versus Grizzlies, at Hornets, at Kings, and then at home versus the Kings. One of the key games right there is obviously the home game with the Sonics. Um, and if the Sonics start, start struggling early, that could become huge. If you look at the Sonics' remaining schedule, at Heat, versus Hawks, versus Heat, at Grizzlies, Versus Lions, at Wolves, at Clippers, versus Hawks, versus Jazz, at Bulls. That is not an easy remaining schedule. And if you look at that, we can only find two win should be guaranteed wins. Only two out of those last remaining four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games. It's going to be an interesting fight, but we call it, we say it here, the Clippers will catch the Sonics, and the Sonics will miss the playoffs. That would be under Troy was wrong when it comes to the Sonics this season. All right. We are going to take a short break here on the show, um, a quick commercial break, and then we'll get back, and we will get an exciting interview with one of the people I really look up to. He is the voice of the KBVL. He is one of the reasons that I'm in this business. I have so much to thank for this man. So I cannot wait to get this man on the show and have an interview with Gouley, the GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll catch you back after this break. (music) 
We are now back with Around the KVBL, and I am now joined by the GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder, the voice of the KVBL. Welcome, Goulet. Thank you for having me. It's a true pleasure to be on your podcast. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. Um, and first of all, before we go into anything, I need to thank you because I will tell you, you are the reason I am in this business today. So I really appreciate it. I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Uh, it's going to be fun. Um, what made you stop your podcast? I mean, the class that everybody in this league loved and unfortunately suddenly disappeared. How come we saw the you know, you leaving that, that, that part of your scene. I think what we can with, with my podcast, I think I have a little bit of a different vibe than say yours or X's or other people. I feel like you guys are very good at just analyzing stuff, looking at trades. Whereas I like to have my own take on it. You know, I like to call people out. I like to have hot takes. And I think maybe I went into it a little bit too much. And maybe that led to, you know, like I, I, I would talk about the valuation of players rather than just analyzing, you know, how maybe a team's doing, you know, and kind of putting out maybe too much information as far as maybe a team should do this, maybe a team should do that, you know, or criticizing them for what they, what they did and didn't do. And then ultimately what the problem was is then it carries over into the chat and then it became extremely toxic. You know, if yeah, no, it, I, we, we, we saw plenty of examples there, and I totally understand. I mean, I was one of the one very disappointed, upset when, you know, you, you stopped doing it. I was always been a big fan of your podcast. And, you know, I always hope one day I'll be on the show with you on your podcast. Never would I think that it would be the other way around me inviting you. Either way, I'm excited that you're here. So let's talk about the season um, you know, the founder, after many years of kind of sitting in no man's land, decided to, you know, take one clear direction. This season, you guys decided to just sell off and it's time to reboot. What went into that decision? I think it was kind of a knee jerk slash on tilt type of a situation, to be honest. You know, I, I, I upset the Sonics. Or no, it was not the Sonics. It was the Heat few seasons ago in the playoffs and then we lost to the sonics in the conference finals a team when i when i had dpj fray um you know your your good old boy red who never quite got to be what he was supposed to be and you know we were right there and then you know for some reason i don't know if it was just out of boredom um i forget if maybe some teams look blatantly better because obviously we're kind of right there on the cusp and then you know i was tempted with the dos dpj deal and I didn't really look into it enough where I think for my likes, Doss's foul rate was a little bit higher than what was going to be the fit for my team. And I really wasn't paying attention to it. I was kind of blinded by the ratings. And I think even after the trade, you know, Ricky kind of noted that like, you know, point cards are kind of a waste, you know, maybe now they're going to be a little bit more valuable because you have a little bit more offense coming in. But if there, if there's not a lot of guys you have to defend, what's the point? Whereas you have a guy like DPJ who did everything. So to be honest, it was a truly terrible trade by my part. And then it was kind of like, well, how do you fix it from then? You know, I think w one of the things that I did from then is then I, I then I end up flipping, you know, DPJ for DOS. And then I flipped DOS for Kazri on the Pacers. And Kazri is a guy that people kind of keep coming after because he's young. And then I kind of am in a spot where Kazri's young, but he's not really developed. You know, now I'm kind of out of it. And then it's just kind of adding pieces here and there. You know, but once, once I kind of broke the team up and lost DPJ, I had, a, you know, I thought, Oh, maybe I'll have a chance. And I clearly did not. The team fell off dramatically. And then it was like, you know, spiraling to the point where you're just, you know, trying to cut your losses and make the best of it. And while I wouldn't really have expected to trade a guy like Frey, because I kind of had all the pieces and I liked the deals that I had made, you know, I figured, well, you know, what the hell? You know, at this point, if you look at it, you know, if I'm not going to be good within the next few years, I'd probably have to get lucky with draft picks is you're still looking at the Bulls for, you know, this year, who knows what's going to happen next year. And it's like, I just didn't, you know, I, he's right in his prime, but if I could get something for him now and kind of reset, not the type of reset I would have wanted to make, you know, I hate the fact that I spent so long coming out of it. I only really had a year or two where I was competing now I'm back in it, but you know, maybe it works. And I don't know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that trade pans out 
you know, I think there's probably a lot of people that look at it as, you know, Frey was a weird guy where some people loved him. Some people hated him. You obviously got a guy like Omer who literally offered me just my pickback. That was all he offered for Frey at one point, And I laughed at him. And it was like, you know, if, if I wait on a trade like that, because clearly I gave it about two hours before the deadline, you know, do I end up getting more later or the fact that I literally just threw it out there and X made a really good offer, you know, was that probably the best offer I was going to get? And because it was pre-deadline, you know, X is the kind of guy who's going to go hard after somebody if he likes him. You know, so I kind of feel like I, I, I initially turned that deal down and then I was like, you know what, screw it, just do it. And I mean, I feel like I'm in a good spot right now, but yeah, it sucks that we're going back into the tank for, you know, who knows how long. Well, obviously there was no, you know, really second guessing at that point, just because timing wise, you know, you did the offer was made so late and I believe you guys came, you know, to a final decision on the trade literally within, you know, a minute or so before the trade deadline was done. So, you know, exciting little blockbuster to finish up, you know, our dead, deadline day. So that was exciting. Um, now, let me ask you this, you know, after having been close, you guys were in the conference final, then kind of stuck, couldn't really get over the hump, no clear direction of how to go. How has all of this not been, you know, received with the fans in Oklahoma City? Well, I mean, I think the fans know that, like, in the beginning, we were hated on a bit for, you know, being willing to trade anybody. And I kind of, we had this this kind of reputation for pulling the trigger way too quick on guys. And that kind of carried over a little bit, but as the years have gone on, you know, especially in this, in this most recent run of the KVBL, you know, I feel like I've, I've been really patient with guys, you know, like you remember I had Silva for a long time, you know, I forget if you're running the Knicks at that point and that's who ended up getting me a, a title, you know, that, that core of that team, I really was patient with, you know, but and I I believe in the idea about like when you draft a guy and you target a guy and that was where I had the you know the fray pick is, is you want to be patient and see if he's going to develop, you know. And I drafted him when he was eighteen, you know. So it's kind of ironic that we've kind of flipped him for a guy that's eighteen or nineteen. And you know, unless something comes along that makes a lot of sense, is you know I believe in kind of crafting that young talent. And of course, once you have those pieces in place if you consider them the cornerstones of your franchise, you're going to start to build around those. You know, I feel like some teams could just kind of compile assets and then flip stuff around that, you know, but in this particular case, over my last few runs, I've had guys that I've liked, you know, and the fact that we can build around them, you know, they, they build up within the community. Now I'm sure there's a lot of people that aren't happy that, you know, we finally got a guy in his prime and we shipped them out. But I mean, at this point they were probably pretty pissed that we traded DPJ. So we just got to show them that, like, look, we're we're not going to win anything anyways, guys. So, you know, be patient. And, you know, we, we've had a title run. We're one of the most consistent teams if you look at overall win-loss record. You know, we've had kind of these bad bouts at times where we've, we've bottomed out. But I think we're still top five when it comes to win-loss record and franchise scores. So, you know, we're pretty consistent as far as putting a winning team on the, on the court. And the, at least the pieces in place right now, it's not like we're starting from scratch. You know, I, I, Kubo's a guy that we've really been after for the last couple of seasons. We worked Chile really hard, you know, so I don't really care that I lost my 52 in that deal. He's a guy that I really wanted for a long time. I love three and D guys at the shooting guard spot, and I hope he can grow into a, a player. So, I mean, OKC, the fans know that that's the kind of guy that we like. You know, the fans like Kaz, and while they like Frey, I mean, they also know that Frey didn't get us over the hump. We waited a long time for him to get there. So I think they'll be happy. They'll be fine. Well, I mean, you have obviously shown the fans of, uh, of the Thunder in the past that, you know, being patient, and, you know, can be the way to go. You guys have brought su success to the city. And, you know, you don't really have any, any major, other major sport to compete with. So the fans are all in on your team. So they live and die with what's going on with you guys. Um, so I think maybe one of the frustrating things as a fan, if I was a Thunder Thunder fan, it's like I followed Dreyer from the beginning. I saw him grow within his team. And when he's finally ready to take over, we're sending him somewhere else. Yeah, I can't fault him for that. I mean, if they want to blame anybody, they can probably point the finger at the front office. Not front office, I mean the league office. I mean, here's the irony in the situation is that if this is a day ahead of time, I feel like, what, half these trades don't even happen, Right. 
Like, yeah, like, had, they, they like, like, the, the, like the league office, the league office ends up having their internal issues and they end up pushing back the trade deadline in pretty unprecedented fashion, you know, like an entire day, which gives the rest of the league some time to be active. And at that point, we're like, why not? <laughs> like, you know, like it's, it's, it's an interesting one to look back on because, again, if the league office doesn't push the sim back or doesn't push the deadline back one day, you know, we still have our guys. Well, it didn't end up just being one day. It was a second day. Even. So, you know, it, there, was, there was a flurry of action happening because of, you know, as I said, a very unprecedented scenario in the league. We've seen the trade deadline being pushed down by a couple of hours here and there. But to be at like 48 hours is, is very, very unusual. Now, granted, we are living in a different world right now. So we totally understand, you know, how things happen. But it is was a little bit of an adjustment for GMs on trying and realizing, hey, I got way more time to look at things. So we saw several deals that wouldn't have happened. You know, the Knicks made a big deal with the Raptors adding two players um, as well. So, you know, as much as it's maybe frustrating for some and for the fans who lost their favorite player, you know, it also could help the competing teams in, in this scenario. Oh, I think so. I think, you know, putting, I think Falwell, you know, the Jazz really wanted to add Falwell, and, and it didn't make a ton of sense for us to trade Falwell. But, I mean, that's where we're in a position where we have a veteran on our team who wants to win. We're not going to win. I mean, we're in a position where we're not even going to make the playoffs at this point, most likely. So, you know, we talk to the player. We, we know he's going to help us. We know he's probably going to help us next year. But then we're also in a scenario where, you know, internally we're looking at it as how, you know, do we really – what, are we just competing for the eight seed next year? What's the point of that? So if we can take a guy like Falwell and put him, you know, help him out and put him on a team like the Jazz, where he has a chance to to win, to win and get a title. I mean, you know, we're we're happy with the pieces we got back. It was a fair deal, and we just felt like you know that worked out. And that's where almost you wish you had a little bit more time because there's a lot of veteran players that we had on our team and role players that I think if we had even more time and the we could have flipped for different stuff or helped some other teams out. You know, there's some like guy like Collins who's expiring. You know what I mean? I'm sure he would much rather be on a team and he's a useful guy that he could be on a competing team right now, but we just didn't have time. You know, these, these two trades, the Fallwell trade and then the, uh, the freight trade. I mean, we're talking, you know, three to four hours before the deadline, both of those came through. And then at that point, you know, if people aren't around, you can't flip this stuff, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And I think all things considered, you know, Farwell helping out the Jazz. And, you know, if it means that now the Sonics miss the playoffs, while I do have the Clippers pick, I mean, that's a win for, for OKC. OKC fans will, will definitely be delighted if the Sonics miss the playoffs. I hear you. I think there's, I mean, that's a very intriguing and interesting scenario that's happening right there. The Clippers are just, you know, on the on the roll right now. And, you know, the Sonics are going the opposite direction. So that's going to be very fun to see in Sim 7. Um, so you were mentioning, you know, some of the role players and veteran leadership that you have. Uh, one that comes to mind right away is, you know, a, you know, a former Knicks fan favorite and playoff MVP and Henry Kowalski. Was there ever a conversation with him about sending him on, or is he happy to stay and you know play Navi and OKC and help these youngins in their development? Well, unfortunately for him, the only I, no no teams really showed interest at that point. And to be honest, we were we were fine with that because we had a plan to actually we were going to put him at shooting guard if nothing happened, where we were going to able to have some passing at the two, while we still had Francis at the one. And we would have been able to roll out Falwell at the three. Um, we would have had Frey and Brant in the front court, which ended up turning to Frey and Garcia. You know, I know there were some GMs out there who really wanted to see that team play on the court. But again, we were in a scenario where if these trades are made in the, earlier in the year, I think a lot of it makes sense. But the fact that it was just so late and too little too late because we really dug ourselves a hole. And that was the problem is we couldn't get out of that hole where we were within shooting distance of the eight seed, you know, and now we hand over a guy like Frey who can score 30 points a game, you know, to a team that wasn't even really using the pieces that we sent them. And then now, you know, of course that we're helping them, but you know, with Kowalski it was a situation where he was definitely going to have a role, but now the fact that we added like, what we flipped over almost like eight or eight to 10 guys, my entire lineup changed. 
you know, now he kind of has somewhat of a backup role because of course Kubo was the, was the main target in some of these deals. And hopefully Kubo has a long, long time at uh, at shooting guard for us. But, you know, we, we appreciate the fact that Kowalski's a long time winner, you know, and then he technically will be an expiring contract next year. And we really have no intention of dealing him, you know, at this time because we know his leadership's going to help, especially with any young talent we bring in. And point guard's most likely going to be a target for us moving forward. Yeah, well, I mean, of, you know, point guards, you have a, a little exciting prospect in Corey Conway, who was a 20-year-old point guard who, you know, this year at the All-Star game won the, um, the slam dunk competition, which is which is always an exciting thing. You know, we mentioned he's the only one that's won it on the high school, college, and KVBL level. Now, is he who you think might be your next, you know, fan favorite in, in Oklahoma City? I think he adds a lot of excitement uh, as far as his skill set. You know, next year being that it might be kind of one of those developing seasons, you know, where we're able to put some youth back on the court. You know, we have some we have the Celtics pick as well as the Clippers pick. And, you know, regardless of whether the Clippers end up finishing lotto or not, you know, you're looking at probably the 10th and 13th type picks in the draft. So you're going to have a couple pieces from there, you know, combined with Kubo, Kazri in the front court. You know, so I think we're going to end up having a kind of young core to roll out there now, you know, Conway started for us at the beginning of the season. He wasn't terrible, but clearly was a little bit raw and just isn't quite there yet. Um, but we do think that, you know, long-term, he's definitely going to have a role in this league. You know, we think he is a guy that, you know, the second the Kings had him and wanted to give up, I think literally like draft day or the next day, the second they wanted to give up on the guy, that's a kind of skill set that I don't mind. I feel like that's a guy that you can play at multiple positions. He's eligible at the one, two and the three. And I feel like, again, we've talked about how there's kind of a weakness at point guard is that if he can be a nice offensive player at point guard and we don't have to defend a lot, he's not going to hurt us too much. But at the very least, he looks like he can be a really solid six man with what he could give you off the bench. So we're definitely excited to have him in our future. Well, he's not a guy I'm rushed to move at any point. I understand. I mean, he's the kind of player that obviously brings, you know, fans in the seat wanting to see one big dunk after another. So that's always, always exciting to have that kind of guy. Another young guy that you guys have, you know, 18 year old Grant Jasper. Tell me about him. Well, Jasper's an interesting one because I'm not going to lie. When the draft occurred and I saw the top picks, I was pretty vocal about how I thought the Clippers really screwed that up. You know, the irony is that the Clippers, seemingly talk a lot about how much they value a guy like DPJ. And I know you've had him on your podcast and, you know, he couldn't talk enough about how, about how much he thinks that guy is an elite talent. And I, maybe, maybe just the, the description wasn't right on that player. You know, I forget if that's what he said on, on, on your previous show, but I feel like he was right there. You know, he could have taken him and just been done. And then there's his franchise piece. But I guess the idea is he wanted, a little bit more diversity, or maybe he wants a little bit more scoring out of a superstar. I feel like that's what he might have said. But when you look at his skill set, you know, the guy was right there. And, and then when, you know, McFarland goes, I think he got McFarland and Jasper out of that deal. And I'm not going to lie that when I look at Jasper, I'm not overly excited. You know, he does a little bit of everything and it's going to take some time with him. So that's a guy that we're really going to have to be patient with. Um, and we've already had internal conversations and, I don't, and again, this is so new. This happened so close to the deadline that, you know, we're going to have to see how he develops, but I'm not going to lie when we look at it as, you know, he might not be a franchise piece for us moving forward. You know, if there's another team that has a player that we think is going to fit a little bit better, you know, that might be better for us. You know, his skill set is nice for a guy that's that young, like 18 and 19, and, you know, he can clearly develop. I feel like we've seen guys like that, you know, might've been a guy like Milo, you know, or maybe a guy like Mercer who took time with that type of a skill set. But, you know, if there's something that I think is a little bit more to what we like, you know, I I could see us making a move. So we're not married to Jasper by any means. I mean, obviously the guy's young. He's one of the top talents. We'll see how he develops, but, uh, but I can say right off the bat that that's a guy that we're willing to look at offers for. Well, if other GMs are listening to the show, there's there's basically a trade offer out there for you. Um, and for those who, you know, um, 
figuring out who we were talking about earlier, you know, obviously the number one pick in Tyron Haynes, who you, know, you think was a perfect description of the type of DPJ player that, you know, somebody like X from the Clippers is in love with, but end up passing or not and, you know, making that trade from one down to, you know, three and four. Um, now, speaking of trading, you are not afraid of being vocal about trades and other people and their dealings. And I know for a fact that you have your thoughts on a very scrutinized trade that we had this season with the Hornets uh, and Nets. So now is your time to let go of your feelings, what you got. Well, I think one of the things that we like to do and what we like to do on our podcast was regardless of how much heat we would put on certain situations is I think the one thing you have to do is you have to look at everything from both sides. You have to look at why a team would make a trade, why a team's evaluating a, a guy a certain way, you know, and, and not even in trades, but just everything. You know, why does a guy evaluate this way? I mean, you know, obviously you've had some great guests on a guy like Bubbles, you know, and I think you even noted it yourself about how he how different he is in valuing guys when he gave you his top five. I'm pretty sure you were pretty shocked. Yeah, you I know, mean, it's, it's, like it's how, not it's not the common one you would see. Exactly. You know, so that you have to look at it and how people are valuing both sides. So, like, first of all, you look at a trade, the Hornets trade with the Nets. You can't spell Hornets without Nets. So the first thought is, are these teams working together? Are they one and the same? But, I mean, come on. That's not, that's not the truth. Now, I don't, know, I don't know the GM of the Nets very well. We've had very little conversation. I have no, absolutely no idea why that trade gets made. It's an expiring player. Now, am I correct in saying that did he have no bird rights on these guys? Um, I am not aware of the situation in that scenario. So we don't have the details on that. Um, so, but he's been there long enough to he should have the bird rights. I just didn't know if he was hard capped in a situation where he didn't really care. But I mean, here's, uh, the, here's... you know what? The, the Nets were hard capped the previous season. So, yes, he would have lost, lost the bird rights with that, correct? Right. So if it's a situation where he knows he can't even sign him in the offseason, that's one thing. And I know earlier in the year he, he had, you know, he had sold some guys off, I think didn't. Um, he had had two or three guys. I think you got Edison and then Edison went elsewhere. So it's like there were trades to be made where he could get value. So it's completely mind boggling at the end of the day, why he doesn't get anything out of it. And not only does he not get anything out of it, but he actually takes on salary. So it it truly made no sense to me. And I think if 90% of the GMs make this trade, I think shit hits the fan. (laughs) The league blows up. I think we just like, you know, if Ricky makes that trade, it we never stop hearing about it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's ridiculous. But you know, it's it's someone like Dan from the Hornets. You know, Dan's cool with everybody. You know, and has a problem with Dan. You know, I know that everyone was kind of up in arms for a little bit. But it's like I feel like you know, if again, like I said, if anybody else makes that trade, I feel like it's a problem. But the one thing I looked at when you start digging deep is you look at the fact that the Bulls have a really strong tie to the league office. And if you look at the situation from that aspect and you say, well, here's a trade that's helping the Hornets, who, while they might not be on the level of the Bulls, I mean, they're one of the major competitors in the Landros. So if the league kiboshes a trade and vetoes it in a situation where it's helping one of the Bulls' competitors, and this would kind of hurt them, I think it, you know, that, that is obviously like that, that could look bad. Yeah. You then know, it would look, look, then you have to look into so many more other deals with, with other teams. Yeah. It's, it would open up a can of worms. It's for sure. Right. And, and, and of course the bulls don't want to get accused of being tied into these situations where, you know, only trades go through that, that don't, you know, hurt them or whatnot, you know? So I feel like in this instance, it was one of those that the nets kind of had, have, been consistent in not making the best trades. This one was completely out of left field. I think at the end of the day, even if the front office or the league office says, look, you got to send back a pick and the Hornets send a pick or whatnot, we're probably in the same pickle that we are anyways, where we're still freaking out that it's completely ridiculous. Cause I mean, if the Hornets now have, you know, bird rights on this guy, I mean, he got, you know, an elite talent for basically nothing. But again, if the league office vetoes that, then people start looking at it as well. I mean, that helps the Bulls. Yeah, you know, maybe, no, and, maybe I... and maybe that's one of the reasons why. So as you started looking at it, I'm like, hmm, maybe there's a little bit more to this than just okay, we're going to let it go. 
But, I mean, it was certainly, you know, we hear the term club a lot in this league. And, you know, you know there's certain GMs that are just, you know, a little tighter with others. Um, but certainly if this was a trade, you know, within supposed club members, you know, that's just one that comes to mind right away would be maybe if this was a trade between the Nuggets and the Blazers. Um, I mean, that would have been, there would have been a, quite the uproar even more than this, I believe. Exactly. Because then you have a situation where, the Nuggets have no impact at all, you know, on what the Blazers would do, you know. So if the if if yeah if if that situation were you know or or the the Hawks and the the Hawks and the Bucks, <laughs> you know that's that's happened before. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I said in ninety percent of situations, I think this is a much bigger deal, um, and it doesn't necessarily go away. And you know, I maybe because the Bulls are so dominant, we kind of just turned an eye. I just. My my hope is that it just doesn't set a bad precedent for what what the league is going to allow moving forward. Well, I mean, we saw obviously our fish of reactions, and you know, one of the big ones was the GM of the Heat coming out and saying how this completely disrupted the balance of the league, etc. Um, now we had him on a show not too long ago where he then said himself, maybe that was slight of an overreaction, um, you know, because. At the end of the day here, we still believe that the Bulls are the best team in the Landros, no matter what, even with this trade. And as you so much pointed out, if they would be to this, it would really, you know, you know, be an eyebrow raiser for the rest of the league. It's like, why is this one getting vetoed when there were so many other trades um, that didn't? All right. I mean, I would, said, I would have loved Let's go back to just, your team. If he could have just vetoed the DP Dre for DOS trade, I would have been cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there we go. Maybe, maybe you need to send some flowers to league office for future, <laughs> future considerations. Um, going back to your team, obviously, it looks to me. I mean, we can't count you out yet, but you know, mathematically speaking, you are basically out of out of the running for playoff spot with what you sold off and what you have left in this team. It looks very much like you will be a lotto team. And you will be, you know, picking a top 10 in draft. Of course, every GM is going to wish and hope for the number one pick. Now, let's say you get the number one pick and, you know, the Thunder get the lot of luck. What type of player are you looking for in this draft? Well, we need to take, we need to take a slight step back because we don't have our pick. The Sonics have that pick. So that makes a difference there right there. <laughs> And remember the Sonics at the beginning of the year were trying to sell that pick. I think you even made a joke about it because, of course, I made trades that made the pick look worse, and he held on to it. And like I said earlier, he randomly – the one offer he made me this year is he literally offered me just that pick for Frey, which I thought was a complete joke. Yeah. But, <laughs> but now it's – so now I'm in – it's, it's quite a pickle because I'm in a situation where I don't have my pick. You know, like the Sonics have it. And I also have the Sonics pick next year. I have the Sonics 51. Earlier in the season, I probably should have offered his 51 for my 50 if I thought I was going to be decent. You know, because obviously he's in a situation right now next year where he's got, I want to say, a ton of cap because he flipped Barber. He flipped George for Barber. And he has a lot of guys that can be unsigned. I think he's still got Jones and DPJ under contract, but that's it. So I feel like he's trying to take a swing at Watson if he can't get Barber. Um, well, we, and, we've heard that story before, right? With him having the heat pick, as it's going to be heat pick for Watson. Um, you know, which my the Miami GM has said that Watson isn't going anywhere, but we all that remains to be seen. Yeah. So I mean, this is kind of an ironic situation. I feel like you've been in this one before. I think back in the day. I think when it was Jay in the Nets. You guys, you both had this. We're like, you had each other's picks in opposite years. So it's like the Sonics have my pick now. I have the Sonics pick next season. So it's like, I would have loved to make the playoffs and screw him out of a top pick because the, the big thing is, since I have his pick next year, I really don't want him to land like the top pick and get an impact player, let alone trade that pick. You know, if he somehow lands the top pick and trades that pick for a talent that's going to help him, well, then there, I'm, I'm screwed. You know, and then obviously it's like, you know, hey, I got a thing with Omer. I want to see him miss the playoffs. But if he misses the playoffs, that means the Clippers make the playoffs and I have the Clippers pick. <laughs> so it's like, I really, I'm okay with the Sonics making the playoffs this year and striking out in free agency and my pick not jumping. That's what we need to have happen. And then we're good to go. Well, and what could happen is if the Sonics do get caught by the Clippers and now suddenly end up with two lot of picks 
this upcoming season. I mean, but who? Somebody else has the Sonics pick, though. Who did we ever find out? Who I honestly was? don't know who has the Sonics pick, but I mean, you you do still talk about like I just still do have the Clippers pick. You know, yeah. so the idea would be is that you know most likely you're looking at I think the tenth pick, um, if they, and then you you hope it jumps. But I mean, being that you know Kubo's a guy that I see keeping long term. I really like Kazri. I like his skill set. I mean, at the end of the day. Kazri's who I got for DPJ. And I think Kazri's a guy that not a lot of people value yet, but he's so young and the skill set's there. I know he doesn't have the best foul rate, but I think that he's young enough that he can grow into being a really good piece. I think he can be well-rounded on the defensive side. So he's a guy that, you know, he's, he's power forward center. Looking at his skill set, I think he can play at either spot. You know, Kubo can play either wing spot. Um, you know, and again, those are the guys that I kind of look at. You know, the kid, we can we can move the kid. He plays power forward center, but it's going to take a long time, I think, for him to be the impact type player he needs to be at that spot. Now, if you told me he had small forward eligibility, I think he'd like him. I, I'd like him a little bit more. But, I mean, being his age and his balanced skill set, I know he's a, a valued asset around the league. You know, so I think what, what, what we generally do is we try to always look at best player available until our team fills out to the point where we, we have a need. You know, so right now, if I'm looking at it, that I really only have two core pieces. I mean, at the end of the day, no matter what, we're going to need a point guard eventually. Um, you know, because, again, I don't know that Conway is going to be a starting point guard. He's going to be a role player. You know, but if, if the best player available at this point, since we have enough, I guess, versatility in, this, in the lineup is, you know, with our picks, we're going to pretty much be taking best player available. I hear you. Uh, so let's, let's say this, though, and, you know, let's flip the scenario to where um... – you know, the Clippers pick, which is who you're holding right now, they miss the playoffs. You're in the lotto. You get the number one pick. Tell me, who is your favorite player in the league? And if you could draft somebody that is modeled after that, who would that be? So if there's an – I mean, and I'm not even going to lie, we had no picks in this draft. So we haven't even sent our scouts out yet. Yeah. You know, like, uh, so, if you're, so if you're talking about, you know, I don't even know who's available in this draft. But, I mean, if, if, if I could – and it wouldn't even be a guy who's in the league. Seriously, it wouldn't even be a guy who's in the league because I look at, if I have the number one pick again, I want a guy like Mace Carter. That's it. End of story. The ultimate, the ultimate love of the Thunder right there. That's it. That's, <laughs> I, I totally get it. That's um, who I'd want. <laughs> now, you know, as a GM, obviously there's not much, you know, off season. I know, I know with my, my brother-in-law who's running the Knicks, you know, who is, uh, there's just not much time ever, but if you ever do find some free time, what do you, what do you like to do in it? What to do? What I like to do in my free time? Yes. Well, we're busy these days because we're also running a baseball team and that's taken a lot of our time away recently. So, you know, it's a struggle, but I mean, it's not something that, um, I'm the only one dealing with. I mean, there's, there's a lot of shenanigans going on in the league right now. You have a handful of GMs that are not only trying their hand in baseball for the first time, um, which, you know, managing two things is, is a lot of work, but apparently they have their hands in the college system, which I don't even know how legal that is, but you know, like, like I think your, your brother's involved in that too. He's yeah, involved in, in college basketball. He's involved in baseball. So, I mean, he's even more busy, busier than me. So, I mean, we're busy when it comes to that, but you know, in our free time, if we want to, you know, hit up some friends and, and, and I'll hit up your brother. We'll play some good old FIFA. You know, we play some Warzone. We got a lot of GMs in here who like to play Warzone. Um, you know, but other than that, it's pretty much doing that, you know, spending time with the family and, you know, putting in the work, putting in the grind, you know, picking up those phones and making those calls. Well, rumor has it, though, that you are a big NASCAR fan. This is true as well. This is true as well. Yes. Yes, I am. Would I, do you- like, I do like the Vroom Vroom. There we go. Which brings me to my off-the-wall questions for you to finish the finish this interview. Um, let's say you are now, you know, leading a stall. You have your own race team. Which GM in this league would you want to be a lead driver? So who would I want to be my driver? Correct. Well, if you look at the personality-wise, you know, Rick, Ricky right there is Kyle Busch. <laughs> For, if anyone knows NASCAR, Ricky's Kyle Busch. He's the guy that is the biggest personality, ruffles the most feathers. Um, but, 
you know, do you want, do you want that guy to be my driver? I mean, I think personality wise, he's right there, but I feel like, you know, I, I would probably take somebody like bubbles. I think I would want bubbles as my driver because I think bubbles is the kind of guy that is going to take risks and he's going to, he has his own kind of formula. And I think he's the kind of guy that, uh, I mean, I guess I know that he's kind of calculated, but I, I think that he will try to do things slightly differently, you know, so towards the end of the race, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with NASCAR, but sometimes, you know, people will, when they come in for their, for their pits, they, you know, sometimes they'll take two tires, no tires, four tires, and they try to go for track position. And I feel like Bubbles is the guy that strategically is going to normally win out. That's what I'm thinking. What I'm thinking with Bubbles when you say that is like the, you know, the change and the strategy in, in pitting is where he would really excel. And that's what could help your team is what I'm thinking. Exactly. Um, second and last question. Let's put you behind the wheel. You are driving a car now. And if there's any GM that you could not be any happier to put against the wall and take out of the race, who would that be? <laughs> I mean, is, is everyone's going to be Kenye? I mean, <laughs> Kenye is like a foregone conclusion, but here's the problem with, with that. Like if, 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 again, you watch NASCAR, you got, you probably got like 10 to 15 top tier drivers. You got about 15 to 20 middle tier drivers. And then you have these guys that are underfunded cars that ride around in the back. And honestly, that's what the Lakers and Kenya are about right now. You know, like you've said it yourself, you haven't seen much out of the Lakers organization since you've been around in the league, you know, that your brother's been there. So it's like, there's no really solid reputation when it comes to them. So I think it would probably, it would probably be honestly somebody like Omer. You know, we don't really have a heated rivalry, but of course lately we do. And the fact that he kind of stole GPJ from me, you know, I think I, I, I probably would put him in the wall first, but it, we would, you know, once, once we kind of got that out of the way, I think we kind of, we'd be good. You know, I think we would, we would never be friends. We would stay kind of, you know, respectful rivals. Well, people, there you have it. And Omer, if you are out in the streets, watch out for Gourlay. Um, Gourlay, thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure finally having you on the show. As I said, uh, you know, you are the voice of the KVL. I hope your podcast will return. I really appreciate you coming on and, you know, hoping the best of luck with your team. Thank you. Thank you. And, I, and I'm sure that you've motivated me to where, you know, again, with all these trades coming down the last few weeks, I mean, one of my biggest things was, I had honestly lost touch a little bit where I couldn't tell you who was who, who was what and who was where, you know, and then when you start grinding a little bit more and you start looking at trades you can make, you really start to target every team. So I feel like the last few weeks have really helped me get more in tune with who's got what and what's where. So, you know, I do feel like at some point here in the near future, we can kind of uh, reciprocate and I could hopefully have you back on and repay the favor. Uh, that would be that would be wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. KVBL, stay classy. Thank you. Take care.